Thank you for coming to the podcast. It's Top Turtle MMA Podcast, and it is brought to you by two tremendous companies that I would like to tell you about right now. The first is Sisu Mouthguards. Sisu makes the most thinnest, lightest, durable mouthguard ever invented. You can talk, you can breathe, you can drink, all with the mouthguard in your mouth. Head on over to sisuguard.com. Find the right mouthguard for your sport or activity. If you do a high-impact sport, like let's say mixed martial arts, you're going to want the Max Guard, but they also make the Arrow Guard. That's an all-sport mouthguard. So if you do, let's say, badminton, ping-pong, volleyball, something not as high-impact, that's the mouthguard for you. And if you're just a little guy or a little gal, you're going to want that Junior Guard. It's for Ute sports. Did you say Utes? I'm sorry, Youths. The second sponsor of our podcast is new to us. Gumby, before I reveal that new sponsor, I want to give you a pop quiz, Hotshot. Who do you think makes the world's strongest coffee? I don't know. I'd say maybe Starbucks. Wrong. They only have 148 milligrams of caffeine. You know what has the most caffeine? Band Coffee. And they're our new sponsor. It's the strongest coffee in the world. Head on over to bandcoffee.com. More than three times the amount of caffeine than any energy drink. It's a better value than energy drinks. And it has a great taste and an aroma. It's strong, yet smooth. Band Coffee and Sisu Mouthguards brings you Top Turtle MMA Podcast. <laughs> are rolling. I am David Tremonti, joined as always by my co-host Daniel Gumby Vreeland, and this is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on Flow Combat. You of course can catch us there, it's our mothership, but also tune in Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, really wherever a podcast is being streamed. Thank you so much for listening. Gumby, one of the things we pride ourselves on here is not wasting our listeners' time. We're an MMA podcast for MMA fans, by MMA fans, what do you say we get right into it? Let's get right into it. All right. Well, let's start with this. Rory McDonald just put a beat down on Paul Daly on Friday night in Bellator. Looked super impressive doing it. Uh, and I'm glad Rory Max back. Yeah, me too. And, and you know what? Here's the weird thing about that fight, too, is that, like, while it was happening, I found myself in, like, this state of shock that he was, like, being that dominant. And then had to, like, remind myself after it was over... I should have just seen that coming, right? Like he was the one of the best welterweights in the UFC and he's fighting a you know like a UFC cast off. Right. And you know, obviously Daly on the ground, uh not his strong suit. Uh Rory got the rear naked choke in the second round after really just a ground and pound clinic. So obviously smart game planning as expected yeah, with, with by Ferraz, yeah. the hobby. Um now that being said, so in his last three, you know, Rory lost in maybe my favorite fight of all time against Robbie Lawler at UFC one eighty nine in the fifth round. Really was very close to winning that fight. Came back the next year, uh, took a unanimous decision loss to Stephen Thompson. Now, in his first fight in Bellator, looks super impressive against Paul Daly. And here's where I'm left, Gumby. This is a man, Rory Mack, who's only 27 years old and has a win over both the UFC welterweight champion and Damian Maya, the UFC number one contender for that welterweight championship. It's just, it's a shame he's in Bellator. Yeah, it, it's hard to say that too, right? It's a shame he's in Bellator because, you know, like Bellator is doing what they can to get better. He's probably getting paid better, you know. But When same, sponsorship money is taken yeah, into yeah, account. Exactly, that, yeah, exactly, exactly. But it, it, you're right because you just want to see him mix it up with 
the best welterweights in the world. And, and as of right now, that's, that's not going to happen, right? Could we hold out hope that he might, you know, like in three years, say he's 30 years old, he's still a killer. Um, we might make see him come back. back in yeah, there. I can I mean, see it. We can hope, right? Because right now it just feels like we're losing the prime of one of the best welterweights in the world to watch him fight guys he can just squash that are all one-sided. Now, devil's advocate, he is on uh, Spike TV, soon to be the Paramount Network. It's a national cable channel uh, with more homes than FS1. I know everyone's cord cutting, but, you know, they are building up a strong welterweight division. I'm sure he's going to get the winner of uh, Lima and uh, Lorenz Larkin for the title, right? Yeah, I would would love to watch him fight Larkin, personally. It kind of reminds me of the Bella... uh, Sorry, of the Pride UFC days where sometimes you just didn't have all the best fighters in one division and you kind of started to have, you know, fantasy matchmaking in your head of what would happen if Rampage came over and finally, you know, fought XYZ Liddell, Couture, what have you. Um, Couture, Fedor was always the one on everybody's tongue. And so maybe this kind of builds that up for, you know, when Rory hopefully eventually comes back. He's such a savage. I don't think he's going to retire in three years and become an accountant or anything. I think. He's got that accountant look, though. He does. <laughs> um, but that all being said, super impressive debut for Rory. And just as a, a fan of his, I'm happy for him. Uh, you know, there was some talk that his nose was so badly damaged that maybe, you know, this is like an internet forum lore. It was like, did Rory break him? Uh, but no, that is not the case. Yeah, he's not broken. Yeah. Uh, now, also this weekend, you had an Invicta card. Um, in the main event, I'm gonna just destroy this name. Uh, Enzaska Needwise <laughs> stayed uh ten and zero. So bad with Polish names. Uh, she beat Vanessa Porto. Um, and then of course you had Roxanne put a really nice beatdown on Sarah Delello and won in the third round uh, via TKO elbows. I was very impressed with Roxanne here. Yeah, Roxanne is clearly making um, – Roxanne Modafari, for those of you who don't know, Roxanne Modafari is making huge gains under Coach John Wood at uh, Syndicate. You know, I was just really, really impressed. And in that uh, – afterwards, the interview where she said, you know, it, it took her a long time to figure out the grounded pound game, and that's just something he's helping with a lot. So that's – I mean, that's super good to see even now so late in her, her career because she's been fighting forever that she's still making gains. And uh, with the 125-pound division coming up for uh, for the UFC, I mean, I think it looks good for her making a, a return to the big show. Agreed. Now, speaking of Invicta, um, you had the UFC Fighter Summit this weekend, and we'll get to that in a minute. But one, I guess you could call it bit of news. Not really. I don't know how to really classify this. But Megan Anderson, the Invicta 145-pound champion, had a impromptu face-off with Cyborg on social media this was not a ufc sanction face-off the two fighters got together and gave themselves some guerrilla marketing to this fight that they both want yet the ufc isn't really i guess offering to cyborg it sounds like they maybe want her to fight like a katsangano is a name that her management team brought up that they were offering her and they don't want that fight they want you know who really is the best 145er and uh, I guess, other than Cyborg, that would probably, you'd point to Megan Anderson, right? Because Jermaine Durandamy has only had one fight at 145, and no one knows if she's ever coming back. Yeah, I, I mean, like, I don't know why the UFC's dragging their heels so much on this, because those two are marketing the hell out of those fights. And when was the last time you heard this much buzz about a women's fight? Like, you, you know, it's been since, 
what, maybe Rousey? A, a Rousey fight? Uh, if you don't count Rousey fights, this might be the most like Twitter buzz you've heard about a women's fight in a really long time. People are excited to see Megan Anderson. I mean, she's she's getting people clicking on articles about it. She has a strong cult following. She's obviously a friend of our show. Um, we see an uptick sometimes in it, when she comes on. Yeah. Uh, so it's fair to say she has like a cult following for an Invicta fighter that doesn't really have a national name yet. And then you have her name and talks with a potential cyborg fight. It's obviously big for her career. And, you know, no one really poses a challenge to Cyborg. Uh, but Megan Anderson has at least a little buzz behind her where you kind of feel like, eh, maybe she has a chance. Well, she's got the size, too. That's the other thing. So, like, Durandamine is, like, super, super lean at 45. You know, and, and you've seen some, you know, Kat Zingano coming up to 45. She's not going to be able to deal with the size of Cyborg. Whereas, like... Megan Anderson is a natural 45er. You will never see her at 35 because she is big and she's strong at 45. You know, I go back in my head here. What the frick was the point of Cyborg's two UFC fights that they made her take at 140 catch weight? Why couldn't that have just been 145? This whole UFC featherweight division is such a mess when you think about it. They had 235 pounders come up in their first title fight. They made Cyborg go to catch weights at 140. I'm not wrong in saying that, no, right? They, she, it, taught, she fought those two girls at 140. Almost and died. almost killed herself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cutting the weight. And then they create, Then they bring the division anyway. Then they bring the <laughs> division anyway it, it's a mess but um you know i want to go to the next news which is that uh cody garbrandt went and had some sort of uh i guess you could call it uh modern type surgery in germany on his back similar to what kobe bryant had those years back with the p uh yeah. platelet rich plasma yeah. injection or what have you so now his fight with tj dillashaw in july is in question and seemingly everyone is saying that this fight is off but there's been no official word from the UFC Dana White saying I've never had an athlete do the surgery and not have a comeback so Dana White seems to still want to make this fight happen but uh it's a back injury so it feels like the fight's off I, I think it's off I think Dana White's saying what he's trying to say because he's trying to sell tickets right or he's just trying to keep Cody Garbrandt's name on the card until he's got a viable replacement fight. Because right now, you take that fight off that card, we're talking about International Fight Week. That is the week where the UFC makes their big cash, right? That That's supposed to be their, like, banner week. It's their WrestleMania. Yeah, it's the WrestleMania. But at the same time, if you take that fight off, who's headlining that card? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, that. so that's UFC 213, right? It's not yep. the Friday night before. No. It's actually going to be at UFC 213. Yeah, and I think, is is it Amanda Nunes versus uh, I, Valentina Shevchenko that weekend? That is the main event. So that would be the main event if you yeah. took that one off. And you know what, to me, I think he knows that that's just, it, you're not going to sell a bunch of tickets on the heels of that being the headliner. So until he finds something else that people are going to be pumped at, he's going to tell Cody, Cody, just don't say any shit, and we'll pretend you're in this fight. Still. And and I think when they did their investor package last year when they were trying to sell the company, they talked about double-stacking events with two title fights just in case one dropped out. So they have... I mean, the, the card is looking awesome. You have Pettis versus Jim Miller, Fabricio Verdum versus Alistair Overeem, and Lawler versus Cerrone, and then the Bantamweight Championship, Nunes versus Shevchenko. So obviously they're looking for a second title fight to fill, fill in there. So that'll be something to keep an eye on. Now, that being said, it was the UFC Fighter Summit this week 
weekend. The first one run by uh, William Morris Endeavors, and you had some celebrities making appearances. You had Kobe Bryant talking to the fighters and Michael Strahan as well. What are you hearing about that fighter summit, and what were your takeaways from what's kind of leaking out? It seems to be wildly positive. I mean, like, you know, they've had these summits before, before uh, William Morris Endeavors got into the biz. And they, they, they largely seemed like nobody was saying anything super positive about him. They're just like, make sure you interact on, on social media and make sure you do this and make sure you do that. But now it sounds like for the first time that they're really like strongly giving really, really good advice. They're, they're definitely spending big bucks to get big speakers in there. So it, it, it's interesting to see how much they're putting together uh, to try to make get by in here. All right. Well, don't just take our word for it. Let's hear from a fighter we had a chance to catch up with live at the UFC Fighter Summit. I feel like I'm on CNN or Fox News here, cutting to someone, our field reporter, live at the uh, at the UFC Fighter Summit. We got a chance to catch up with Oluwale Bangbos at the UFC Fighter Summit. We will play you that right now. And it, is, of course, is brought to you by our new sponsor, Band Coffee. You're going to want to head over to bandcoffee.com. That's B-A-N-N-E. Edcoffee.com. I'll assume you know how to spell coffee. It's the world's strongest coffee. More than three times the amount of caffeine than an energy drink. It's naturally full of vitamins and minerals, and it's the biggest natural dietary source of antioxidants. There's something you don't know, and knowing is half the battle. Banned Coffee brings you our interview with UFC fighter live from the UFC Fighter Summit, Odawale Bangbos. This is Daniel Gumby Vreeland here with my co-host Dave Tremonte on Flow Combat's Top Turtle MMA. And we today have the pleasure of speaking with Oluwale Bengboshe, who fights Paulino, or uh, Paulo Boracina at UFC 212 on June 3rd. Uh, Oluwale, we've got you live from the UFC Fighter Summit today. Uh, tell us a little bit about how that program's going and what it's like there. Oh my goodness, it's amazing. I mean, you can tell they put a lot of effort, money, and blood, sweat, and tears into this, and making us feel like we're home, like we're like we're like we're special, and we are. Um, and uh, I mean, for me, the limelight so far, even though it's still going on, the limelight of this retreat has been being able to meet uh, Kobe Bryant, man, and uh, getting his autograph, hearing from him. He's one of the greatest athletes on this planet, man, and uh, somehow the UFC was able to get him to, to encourage us. So that was amazing. That's awesome. Yeah, Kobe is a killer. Now, what what was like a big takeaway from when he spoke to the athletes? What was what was his parting knowledge to you guys? Basically, um, basically that uh, you know we need to start pretty much thinking outside of you know our careers. I mean, not entirely in the sense of you know losing focus of you know being successful, but at the same time uh, knowing that after. After it's all said and done, we need we need to have a career, a, a fallback plan. And without a without a fallback plan, you know, then we're, we're, we're left in a bad spot. So he's just allowing us to think uh, outside of the box, uh, but also staying present. Does that make sense? Yeah, that that makes perfect sense too. And uh, you know, it, it, it's relevant for a lot of fighters in that way too, because you know we, we've talked to Ian McCall and some other fighters. Uh, who have had these like long layoffs for injuries. You're no different in that. I mean, you haven't fought in almost a year's time because of injuries to yourself, the injury to Tom Brees. Um, how has it been uh, waiting so long? Has it been really frustrating? Uh, how do you stay motivated when all that kind of stuff keeps coming up? 
I mean, to be honest, man, it gave my ass uh, some time or uh, enough time, perfect time to get my shit together, man. And, and I say that in the sense of just uh, filling the gaps and the holes in my game. And I, and I had a, a few that was presented to me by opponents that I fought in the UFC. So with that being said, uh, you know, time off actually was, was good for me. I, I mean, I didn't like it. Ideally, it wasn't great. I, I like to get in there and fight when, I, my, when my fights are scheduled. Um, but when, you know, things didn't go my way, um, I just improvised, man. I, thought, I, I stood positive, and I worked on, you know, specific aspects of my game that needed strength, that needed to be strengthened. And here I am today, man. I'm a complete version of myself, man. I mean, it doesn't get any better than what I'm about to show June 3rd, baby. And that's it's going down. That's super, the Holy War Angel in full effect. That's super exciting, too. Uh, you know, we, we obviously have been very impressed with how you've looked in the UFC so far as it is. So what were some of those holes that you did feel that you needed to shore up? Just, just making my ground game as comfortable as my, my stand-up. Uh, and not only that, blending everything into a mixed martial arts uh, 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 style. You know, uh, finding my niche. Uh, figuring out what it is that relates to me being comfortable and flowing in that cage in all aspects of the game. So that's what I've been able to do in the time that I've been off. So for me, it wasn't really off time. Uh, for some people, I, I guess they take time off, whatever, to heal their injuries, and that's all they focus on. But me... You know, while I was beat up, while I was banged up, while I was, you know, somewhat saddened about not being able to fight, I took it upon myself to get up, go to the gym, uh, you know, focus on my weaknesses, master my strengths, um, and, and just overall become a better version of myself. Um, and, uh, you know, because of that, there's a new alter ego alongside of the Holy War Angel, and his name is the Lion Gorilla. <laughs> that is my alter ego on the ground. When you fight me on the ground, when we, when we scuffle, when, when there's a, when there's somewhat of a, a confrontation on the ground or, or a grappling aspect of the game, you're facing the lying gorilla. In the stand-up aspect, you're facing the holy war angel. And I can't wait to show them both June 3rd in every fight moving forward. And, and we're excited to see uh, that, that side of you. So you're fighting Paulo Boracina, who, uh, you know, he's got his entire career made up of first-round KOs. You know, you're 6-2 and two as you are uh, with all first-round KOs for your victories as well. So are we expecting to see that side? Are we expecting to see the new side of Oluwale Bangaboshe, uh, despite the fact that these are two guys who slug it out typically? All right. Now, for the most part, you are going to see a new version of me, but I don't want to miss out on pointing out that Polio is going to get everything that my last opponent's got plus more. And you saw what I did to my last opponent, even though I lost that fight, and the opponent before and I won that one. And you know, Hall Hall is the only disappointing fight that 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 did that doesn't ever sit well with me. Um, but other than that, I gave my last two opponents, uh, besides Hall, hell. Mm-hmm. And moving forward, everyone who faces me, you are going to face hell in that cage. I'm bringing the heat, and there's no stopping it because <laughs> my job is to bring my bring forth my best. My job is to win. My job is to is to is to is to, is to ultimately you know uh, impress the fans. You know, give them what they want to see. Uh, a good fight, someone who's leaving everything out there on the line. You know what I mean? And whoever faces me, I'm telling you, you're going to get everything that my last opponent got plus more and then some, you know? Um, and, and it doesn't, I mean, for polio, it kind of sucks because I got better, like way better. Super, like, I mean, I mean, I'm on another level, man. But enough talk. I can't wait to just show it. Yeah. All and, right? And, and, you know, you... you... You mentioned the Hall fight. It should go without with noting too here that you know that's a fight you took on short notice against the guy who was top. No, who cares, man? I felt like, but still, man, I I felt like 
I gave him too much respect that, no offense, that he didn't deserve. Plus that motherfucker, he, he freaking, like, fish hooked me, took my mouthpiece out and threw it. You know what I mean? Like, during the fight. And for me, it's like, dude, like, you could win, man. There's more honorable ways to win. Why do you have to do that, man? Mm -hmm. So it, it just didn't sit well with me. And the fact that I've given other opponents in my past, I've given them my best, man, and, and some of which I've ended their careers. I don't like bragging or talking about that, but I've given good guys my best, and I've hurt them, man. And I wish, and one day I'll get that, that chance. I'm mm -hmm. going gonna, gonna to destroy Hall. I'm going to destroy him. But that's not my focus right now. I just know that eventually my time will come. Our time will come where I get to redeem myself, and I get to give him what I gave every other opponent I faced, which was hell. You know, I, I hit them hard, and I enjoyed it. And why, why, why shouldn't Hall get the same or any other um, fighter in the UFC? You get what I'm saying? So this was the mindset I, I've been able to um, understand. Everyone, get, everyone's getting an ass whooping. You live in the Bronx, but you were born to two Nigerian parents. You, you rep your Nigerian heritage time on the way out to the cage. It, it seems like African MMA is really coming a long way. We got you, Francis Naganu, Razak Alassan, all in the UFC, and all doing like really amazing things with first-round KOs for all of you guys somewhat recently. Do you feel that African MMA, as good as it's ever been, and do you feel honored to be kind of part of that boom? Of course. I mean, I, we're making a huge impact. African fighters, even though we're not a lot, you know, you can count at least, you could say, that, and I'm shooting high here, there's probably about 10 of us in the UFC, but we are badasses, man. We are dangerous, you know, and I believe that more, more and more African fighters will be, you know, uh, in, in the UFC, but it all, it, it all relates to uh, how they're being trained, uh, who's training them, how serious they're taking their careers, and, you know, um, the resources that are available to them. And eventually that's what I would like to be. Uh, maybe, hopefully, God willing, the UFC's point person, for recruiting African talent, um, for also uh, being one of the uh, pioneers in bringing MMA, MMA facilities, everything that MMA is into specifically Nigeria and hopefully, you know, infiltrating it into Africa as a whole. But that's, that, I know that's my legacy. That's my destiny. But right now, my present destiny is winning, winning in spectacular fashion and, also, and eventually getting that 185 title. And then everything, is, everything else will be easy. You know what I mean? Um, but right now, that, that, that's the goal. So after Polio, I can't wait for my next opponent. Um, hopefully top 30 or 20. Then after, after that opponent, I can't wait for the next one. And let's see how many, how many fights I need to have to, to hopefully get a shot, man. But uh, one step at a time. Absolutely. Well, so well said, uh, Oluwale. We cannot thank you enough for the time. Uh, Oluwale will fight Paulo Baranchina at UFC 212 on June 3rd. You can follow Oluwale Bangbos at Holy War Angel MMA on Twitter. Thanks so much, and uh, best of luck in the fight. Thank you so much. Let's go. What's going down? Hell on Earth, June 3rd. You don't want to miss it. <laughs> All right, Gumby, there you have it. Live from the UFC Fighter Summit, Oluwale Bangbos. Man, that, dude, that, that dude has got so much energy, uh, and, and I just love his attitude. Taking a whole year off, knowing he had some spots where uh, where he could definitely get better, and and you've got to be excited for for this upcoming fight with him at UFC 212. I felt like he was kind of cutting a wrestling promo, yeah. and, and I didn't hate it. That, I, you know, I like the energy. That dude is is super super marketable. All right, we will turn our attention now to UFC Fight Night this Saturday, May 28th. It's uh, live from. Stockholm, Sweden, and it's on FS1. It is headlined by two, um, you know, you could almost call them perennial top five contenders at light heavyweight for the past few years. Uh, probably the two guys outside of that 
upper, upper Daniel Cormier, John Jones, champion level. These are two of the top contenders the past few years, and they're finally facing off. You have Gustafsson, uh, who is a minus 320 favorite, and Glover Teixeira, who's a plus 260 dog. Uh, and I want to give you some background on each of the fighters. Gustafsson, in his last three fights, is 1-2. He lost to Anthony Johnson back in Sweden in January of 2015, then fought for the title against Daniel Cormier, took a split decision loss. Uh, that was in October of 2015, and then came back last year in September and beat Jan Blankowitz. Although, if I do recall, I think Jan took a round off him. Am I wrong in Absolutely. saying that? It was Absolutely. a unanimous Jan decision win, yep. but Jan looked good in the first round. Glover, uh, on the other hand, is... Uh, two and one in his last three he knocked out Rashad Evans in April of 2016 he lost Anthony Rumble Johnson via KO in August of 2016 so they both have the Rumble losses uh, in the first round on their records and then he uh, Glover came back in February of this year and beat Jared Cannonier via unanimous decision uh, kind of a three round just ground and pound couldn't really pass Jared Cannonier's guard and get anything going but was enough for a win so he is two and one in his last three and if you want to peel it back he's actually four and one in his last five who you got I think the odds are right on this one I'm going with Gustafson he's had some time off but for me, when you're breaking down this fight, you got to look past the victory. So past the victory for Gustafson, I mean, the dude's got the reach. He went toe-to-toe with John Jones boxing and, and by some accounts beat John Jones in a stand-up boxing match. He stuffed John Jones' takedowns. Also worth noting, he came back after that John Jones fight and beat Jimmy Manoa via TKO. Obviously a different Jimmy Manoa than we see now, but Jimmy Manoa always been a good striker. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, you know, to me, the thing for Glover is, is I just don't see a lot of paths to victory because if John Jones and Jimmy Manoa can't get their hands on Glover or Gustafson, because Gustafson uses his distance really, really well, you, you know, I, I just can't see a path where Glover puts his hands on him. Well, this is the way I look at it. I think if one of these guys retired after losing this weekend, I'm not going to be surprised. You know, Glover is older. I think his path to the title is a little rough. Uh, It would have to be he already has a loss to John Jones. So I think Cormier would have to get past John Jones. Glover would have to put, you know, a a two to three fight win streak together. But he is 37 years old. Well, I think the other thing, too, about that path, too, is that he's fighting way smarter now. So when you saw him fight Jared Cannonier, Jared Cannonier was a top 15 light heavyweight at the time. And in addition to that, he's, he's dangerous with his hands. So Glover fought the really smart fight. And I think, too, that that's going to make his path to the title even harder because now he's fighting smart fights where he's he's not afraid to take you down and lay on you a little bit to make sure that he can grind out a win. And and that's not going to say in Dana White's head, if he does that to Gustafson, which I don't think he's going to be able to get in and get the takedowns, but if he did that to Gustafson, is that a guy you want fighting Daniel Cormier for the title? Because he's not going to take down Cormier and lay on Cormier. Um, and then with Gustafson, I, you know, you just hear so much talk that his head is out of the game. He's thought about retiring. So if he lost for a second time in his hometown in, you know, the last three years, I could see him doing an emotional retirement this, this, 
this week. And then the other thing with his path to the title, I mean, I think people do want to see the Jones rematch. It's something Jones has even talked about, but he already has a loss to Cormier if Cormier got past Jones uh, this summer. So again, it's just two guys who I feel like might be on their way out with one foot out the door, potentially. It's, It's weird to think about that too, right? Because they're, they're number three and four. Well, the division's such a mess. Yeah. I mean, we're going to talk about the, the co-main event where you have number four and six squaring off, or five and seven, excuse me, and let's just cut to that right now. You have Vulcan Ozdemir taking on Misha Serkinov. Who is Vulcan Ozdemir, you might be asking yourself? Well, he's uh, a newcomer to the UFC. He has one short-notice fight against Ovin St. Pru that he won and is now ranked number fifth in the division because you had Bader leaving to go to Bellator, you had Rumble retiring to start a weed dispensary and then you have Misha Serkinov who should not be ranked seventh he should certainly be ranked higher he's four and oh in the UFC looks super impressive in every one of his wins he KO'd Dan Jolly he had a neck crank on Alexis Nicholson that broke his jaw uh submission neck crank he had an arm triangle choke over Ian Kutaleba and a guillotine choke over other highly touted prospect Nikita Krylov that was back in December of 2016 had a contract dispute with the UFC I think didn't get ranked look the rankings are bullshit we've been high on Misha Serkinov uh, for over a year now, he was on our second episode ever. That being said, he's the minus 400 favorite. Volkan Ozdemir, the plus 325 dog. Who you got? Uh, another obvious one for me, because you just follow the odds on this one, and not that the odds are the end-all, be-all, but Misha Serkinov, to me, is way more of a complete fighter than Volkan Ozdemir. If you look at Volkan Ozdemir's win over OSP, the issue I have with his win over OSP is that, A, it's a split decision win. Don't get me wrong. OSP is a good fighter. It's a split decision win that he won mostly because his gas tank was a little less bad than OSP's. You know, neither's gas tank was good. By the time you got to the third round of that fight, you were just like, get the fuck off the cage and let's throw some hands. But neither of them seemed to really have the energy to do that. Vulcan controlled him against the cage a little bit better than OSP controlled uh, in reverse. So to me... Misha Serkinov has just got that like next level gas tank. The dude is crazy athletic. He's super strong. And if he takes Volkan Ozdemir down, I just don't see Ozdemir surviving with Serkinov's submission skills or ground and pound skills on the ground. I agree with you. I love Misha because he's all around a good mixed martial artist. He can stand and trade. He has the submission skills. Would you give Vulcan the uh, stand-up edge, though? I, so I, I thought about this for a second. I think maybe. Here, here's why maybe. Do I think he's faster than Misha Serkinov with his hands? No, I don't. But he's longer than Serkinov is. Mm. And, and you can look at reach or whatever you mm-hmm. want because it's not probably not accurate because Misha Serkinov's chest is about seven miles wide. Um, and they measure with the chest. They don't measure just like actual reach. But if you look at their like stature as far as how long their arms are, Ozdemir is definitely longer. Can he cut better angles? Probably. He can probably cut better angles, too. So if we're thinking about striking from that perspective, he's definitely got a chance to win in the striking department. But to me, I just don't think Serkinov hangs out there long enough for Ozdemir to win. Well said. All right. Now, the rest of this card's a little underwhelming, Gumby. Uh, excited to see Ben Saunders fight. But why don't you give us a fight or two to watch out for and a fighter to watch out for? 
Uh, so, you know, the the fighter I would say to watch out for right now, there's very few bantamweights as exciting as Pedro Munoz. Uh, I mean, down on the, the prelim card on Fox Sports 1, he's fighting Damian Stosniak. Uh, he's gotten a couple of really good submission wins uh, in recent memory. Uh, so, and Pedro Munoz, the minus 505 favorite to Stasiak, the plus 335 dog, continue. Uh, again, that, that's why I like him here. He, he's a guy who's gotten back-to-back guillotine chokes over Russell Doan and Justin Scoggins. Um, before that, a split decision loss to Jimmy Rivera, who might be one of the best bantamweights in the UFC now. Uh, you also got to love Abdul Razak Al-Hassan, uh, the KO artist from... Uh, Stephen Wright's camp down in Texas working with uh, Johnny Hendricks. He is a minus 260 favorite to Omari Akhmedov, a plus 180 dog. And, and to me, that's a fight to watch, too, because Akhmedov is better than that. those odds would suggest. Um, you know, he, he beat Kyle Noak recently, so he's also a dangerous kind of guy. So that one should be a fun one to watch, but you're 100% right. This, this card's just a little on the underwhelming side. All right. Well, I don't want to, you know, belabor the point. Uh, I am looking forward to the two main events because we'll get some uh, motion in the division because you have uh, basically four of the top seven ranked fighters in the division. So by the end of it, we should have a clearer picture as to who might challenge, uh, you know, Jones and Cormier or let's say maybe a number one contender fight. It might be a little mini four person tournament with Jimmy Manoa. Right. So very exciting. All right. I am David Tremonti. He is Daniel Gumby Vreeland. We thank you so much for listening. Feel free to email the show, MMA at Gmail. Follow the show on Twitter, at TopTurtleMMA. And keep listening to us on Flow Combat. Thank you so much. We'll be back next week.